0: Well, our text this Sunday morning is the 67th Psalm. Along with such psalms as the 108th Psalm, this psalm could be categorized as a a prayer for blessing, seeking the blessing of God. Oh, Lord, bless us. That's something that we often do, isn't it? We seek God's blessing. We ought to, it's a biblical pattern, but we'll learn a little bit more about that here this morning. The 67th Psalm is addressed to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. These are the instructions that go along with this psalm. There's no author listed, but I love what Charles Spurgeon had to say. No author's name is given, but he would be a bold man who should attempt to prove that David did not write it. Now, we don't know if David did or not, but certainly it sounds like a song of David. But even if not, it is indeed the same Holy Spirit who inspired David that inspires the author of this psalm. Let's pray that the same Holy Spirit would move in us that we might better understand God's word. Let's pray. Lord, speak to us speak to us now because your word is living and active speak to us because in your word is contained the word of salvation speak to us because you are a speaking god a god who desires for us to know your will and to know your person speak to us now and give us ears to hear give us minds to understand give us eyes to see your truth and hearts to love you, and as a response to love our neighbor, even as you have loved us. Speak to us, Lord, for we ask it in the name of the one who is the word made flesh, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Follow along now as I read from Psalm 67. This is the inspired word of God. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word, our only infallible rule for faith and practice. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Well, when I read verse 1 to you just a moment ago, I hope you noticed some familiarity to those words it should sound somewhat familiar to you. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. Of course, this harkens back to the ironic blessing. That's not ironic like irony, but Aaronic as in Aaron, who was the first priest, right? The brother of Moses, and and he and his sons were priests over the people of God, and and the Lord spoke to Moses in Numbers 6, and he said, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, so this was the instruction ultimately to to the priests how they were to bless the people of God. They were to say, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Thus says the Lord. And so it is that oftentimes at the end of our worship service that I share those same words with you, those same words of benediction, those same words of of blessing from God, blessing you as the people of God, sending you forth in the blessing of God with those same words. Words and those words are clearly in Psalm sixty-seven. What the psalmist is evoking, he's he's pointing back to them, seeking this blessing to be upon the people of God. And in light of this word of blessing being at the beginning of our psalm, there's something I want to point to right off the bat. Did you did you catch the change? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But but there's a change in person from third person to second person in how God is addressed in this psalm in the first verse it begins it's just a restatement of that covenantal blessing with which Aaron had been told to bless the covenant people God may God be gracious to us and bless us may make his face shine upon us may God him may he do this may may God make his face him this third person but then immediately the language shifts from that point from from there going forward he no longer is speaking about god but rather is speaking to god you see how he starts saying you 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 and how he relates to god it's as if the heart of the psalmist is is quickly engaged when his mind considers the truth that was contained in the words of this blessing right he's thinking about how it is that god blesses his people and he immediately immediately is is translated from from just giving information about this thinking about these things to considering them deeply in his heart and being driven into worship and so it should be with us as well right when when we hear what god has done when we consider who god is it should cause us to worship in some churches they they talk about their worship service in, in ways that i think are unhelpful you know they'll they'll oftentimes have uh, some music at the beginning of the worship service and and then they'll have uh, that time that's designated kind of as the worship time right and they might have Uh, a worship leader or or a worship band or something and they that, that part of the service is considered the the worship and then they move into the sermon which is seen as kind of a a time of learning right but but if what you are learning about in the sermon doesn't drive your heart to worship then there is something wrong right the the whole of the service is to be about worship so our our singing indeed should be a time of worship But so should be our time of prayer. That should be a worshipful experience. So should be our time of reading God's word. It should be a a worshipful experience. And certainly as we open God's word and consider what it has to say to us in a sermon, that should be a time of worship as well. So let us consider the covenant blessings of God as spoken about in this passage. And as we consider them, let us worship god first thing i want to focus on is the fact that god's blessings are for his people corporately they're not just for us as individuals a lot of times we think of ourselves in this way don't we 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 think about the me and and the i we sometimes fail to think about the we and the us But we need to understand that as God blesses his people, he's not just blessing a lot of different individuals. He is blessing us corporately as his people, as his family. We have been adopted into his family. We have been made into his people. This blessing that that was given to Aaron to give to the people. Remember what God said at the end of it so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. It is a corporate blessing. It's not just for an individual. And so the psalmist here prays not just for himself, but for God's people corporately, because we're all joined together, right? He says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face to shine upon us. He doesn't say, may God be gracious to me and bless me. Make his face shine upon me. No, it's, it's very us-oriented. It's, of course, the pattern that Jesus teaches us as well, right? When we learned to pray from Jesus and we prayed, of course, just moments ago, the Lord's Prayer. We're reminded of this. What are the very first words that we, we say in that prayer Our Father. The word our reminding us that there's a multitude of people of whom this is true. We are part of a body, of a group. We are not just individuals. He does not teach us to pray, my Father, but our Father. We pray with others. We pray for others. We are lifting one another up as a corporate body. Not just as some random body, but as the very children of God, right? He doesn't just say, pray, our God, most sovereign and glorious God. Certainly it is true, he is the most sovereign and glorious God, but Jesus is teaching us that we have a special relationship with him. As his people, his covenant people, his chosen people, called to be his children we have a very special relationship right i i read the other day i think it was tim keller has has the quote that says says no one dares to wake a king at three in the morning except his children right no one dares to wake him up except his children they can do it for the littlest of things they come in because they were scared Daddy, wake up. Come in because they're thirsty. Daddy, I need a drink of water. Right? Even the, the most high and mighty of the king's advisors won't come to him at three in the morning. Hey, king, I need a cup of water. Right? But a child has that access. And that's the kind of access that we have to God. Right? We have that access too, and we, we are in the family. And so... His blessings are for his people corporately. Secondly, we need to understand, though, that that even though we have such a close relationship to God, even though it is so intimate, our blessings, God's blessings for us, are completely undeserved. It's important to note that verse 1 of the psalm starts in a very appropriately humble place. May God be gracious to us and bless us he doesn't say may God give us what we deserve and bless us now may God be gracious to us and bless us we we often hear others talk about it or even talk about our, it ourselves how much we deserve right I, I deserve better than this it's all that's always how we see it too isn't it right very rarely do we say you know I really deserve to be worse off than this it's, it's always, I, I deserve to be treated better. I deserve to have more. I deserve to be in a, a better situation. We don't usually find ourselves so quick to object or even take note when, when things are seemingly unfair but in our favor, right? We, we kind of just breeze past that. We forget about those times. But we certainly notice and make a mental inventory of all those times when things just didn't seem to be fair for us to our disadvantage and this is because we are sinful human beings living in a fallen and broken world and helplessly and hopelessly biased in our own favor. Right, we see this true in trivial things like like sports, right? This is why every umpire who has ever umpired a baseball game I was at was against my team, right? I don't know why they all hated my team, but they clearly were, were you know, rooting for the other team, right? Everybody thinks that. Whenever you go to a game, you watch a game, right? It's because we all think that things, we're biased in our own favor, and so we notice everything that might be a slight aggravation against it. We notice it with with the announcers in sports events, too. You know, if, if a sporting announcer on the national TV scene uh, says anything that's critical of our team, right? You know, oh, he hates my team, I, it's so obvious. Uh, Joe, Joe Buck is the announcer for Fox television, and, and it's funny how, how unpopular he is. He, he's the national announcer that does uh, the World Series, the Super Bowl, all these things. He's, he's wildly unpopular with a lot of people. And, and it's in large part, not solely this perhaps, but in large part because, because everybody seems to think that he hates their team. So much so that, that even on, on Twitter, his bio starts with these words. It says, says... I love all teams except yours, right? <laughs> right? And He's got this reputation like any team. That's what everybody thinks. Oh, he just hates my team. Well, it's true in those types of things that we're biased in our own favor. But it's also true in more important things, more substantial things, weightier things than that. We tend to think of ourselves as basically good people, good people who who might just need a little help here and there a little little pat on the back a little encouragement and and we'll be just fine on our own but the truth is according to God's word there's none of us who are good none of us are good we are actually dead in our sin and our trespasses And the psalmist realizes this. The psalmist realizes that we are dead in our sin and in our trespasses. We deserve nothing good, he says. May God be gracious to us. Because that's our only hope. That's our only hope for any blessing. Right? Because we do not deserve it. We need it by God's grace. And he will proceed from there to compose this whole psalm speaking about the blessings of God. But it's important to know that all these blessings are a matter of God's grace let us remember that they are a matter of his grace none of it is earned by us no matter how good we think we are God's blessings are for his people corporately but God's blessings are undeserved a third point and this may seem kind of obvious but God's blessings benefit his covenant people they're not just something he gives to them there's something he gives to them to to Benefit them to be for their good, right? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. This is this imagery that's being used. It's metaphoric language. His face shining upon us. We we might say in our may He smile upon us, right? That's the idea. May may He do those things that are to our benefit. When we think about being blessed by God, oftentimes what we think about is it not. Blessings of health and wealth, right? May God bless us so that we'd be healthy, that we wouldn't be sick, that we'd be strong and and able. May God bless us with, with finances so we don't need to worry about those things either. That's what we often think about when we talk about the blessings of God, but God's blessings go far deeper than that. He actually blesses us with something far more valuable than health or wealth he blesses us with himself that's the most central of all of God's blessings is himself he he blesses us as our father we as his children and he brings us into this family relationship this intimate closeness with him he's not some far off distant removed god like the deists would tell us He loves us dearly as his own children. You know, with my own children, if they have serious problems, even life-threatening problems, there's nothing I wouldn't do to address those problems. Of course, that doesn't make me a great father. That just makes me normal. But our God is a great father. He is the best father. And so if I, as just an average father, would be like that, how much more would he? We are his and he is ours, so he is willing to deal with our biggest problems, to get his hands dirty, as it were, with them. And what is our biggest problem? Well, it quite simply is the fact that we indeed are dead in our sin and in our trespasses. We do deserve the righteous wrath of God. We ought to be judged and found wanting, lacking, and condemned. And there's nothing that we of ourselves can do about it. But God has done something about it. God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for us. He so loved the world that he made a payment on our behalf. He so loved the world that Jesus became a curse. For us, so that we would not need to be cursed. He bore our curse on the cross so that we might receive His blessings. And all we need to do is trust in Him, depend upon Him, count on Him, rely not on our own efforts, but trust in Him and know that salvation, know that forgiveness, know that redemption know that the love of God is ours in Christ Jesus. And so it will be. This is true not just for us. You know, we gather here on Sunday morning and we know this is true for us, right? We're we're the church, we're the people of God. But, But we need to understand that it's not just to end with us. In Luke 24, after Jesus had died and came back, to life rising on the third day showing his victory his vindication in conquering death and sin and satan he met with his disciples and in luke 24 he said to them these are my words that i spoke to you while i was still with you that everything written about me in the law of moses and the prophets and the psalms must be fulfilled Then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. What does he say that the Old Testament, that the Psalms, that the prophets, that That the law all pointed to was the fact that the Messiah, namely Jesus, must suffer. That that had to happen. Beyond that, though, that he must rise from the dead. So that when he died on the cross, that was part of God's plan from the very beginning. It was part of his plan because he knew that he would also rise from the dead. But there's a step even beyond that in that he must be proclaimed to the nations beginning at Jerusalem. Basically what he's saying to them is this. I have come for you. I I lived a holy life for you. I, I accrued all righteousness and all blessing for you. And I died for you. I suffered for you. I bled for you. I cried out in agony for you. I went to the tomb for you. I rose from the dead for you to demonstrate my power over death for you. But as much as it's for you, it's not just for you. This is a message that, that we need to take forth. We need to be like we sang in the song. I love to tell the story. He says it's for you, but it's also for you to take to the nations, proclaim it to the nations. When he says the nations, that's those outside of the people of God, right? The, the descendants of Abram, who we read about in Genesis 12 at the beginning, earlier in our service, you know, they were the, the people of God, but, but he's saying it's not just for this small sliver of population. The nations, the peoples, is everyone else in That is to whom this message should go. It should go out to them all. For God's blessings benefit all the peoples of the world. And that's always been the plan, right? We read it together in Genesis 12. He said, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God has always intended to bless people from every family, from every family. People group, God blesses us that we might be a blessing to others. So in verse two, he says here, "Bless us, Lord, but make your face shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, and your saving power among all the nations." Calvin says when he he says, "By the way of God, he means his covenant, which is the source or spring of salvation." Right, he's saying. He's saying God desires to bring people into the family, to adopt people from every background. In short, God wants to be known by all in a way that is true to who he actually is, not just vaguely known, not just, not just well, there is some greater power, right? There's some big man upstairs. There's some, some vaguely referenced God. No, that's not what he wants. He wants to be known as he truly is, Right, you wouldn't you wouldn't like it, would you, if if you were meeting somebody, I introduced you and I, I said say, let's say your name is is Gus and I said, Hey, meet Joe. What? No, my name's not Joe. My name's Gus, right? You know, don't call me the wrong name. And if I said that, you know, oh you know, Joe here. No wait, Gus. Oh, yeah, whatever. He's, he's a lawyer. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I, I'm a copywriter. You know, how do you get a lawyer? What? Come on. Don't, these are untrue things you're saying about me. I don't want you to say wrong things about me. I want you to, to speak about me as I am. You know, we don't want to be spoken of in a way that is untrue of us. We want to be known as we truly are. And God is the same way. Yet somehow we think that God is content with somehow us merely just acknowledging his existence. That's enough, yeah. Well, I believe in God. I think there's some kind of God somewhere. That doesn't please God. It doesn't please him at all. We need to acknowledge God who he is, as he is. And we need to share that truth with others. And as we truly know him, there is but one response That will suffice. Verse 3 of our psalm today. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. All the peoples of the world praising God, worshiping God. That's the the end of the story. Revelation 5, they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. What kind of people for God? Well, people from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. Jesus ransomed people from all different people groups. And so we should take the truth of the gospel to people of all different people groups, all different languages and nations and tribes and peoples so that they might appropriately give glory to God. That's the motive of evangelism. It's not just their salvation, but God's glory. And so the psalm says, let the people praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. There's this sense that he wants everybody to praise, everybody to come along and and the reality is that's a good thing for us isn't it because we weren't originally part of the abrahamic line we weren't originally part of the people of god but but somebody brought the message to us somebody brought the message to your your father's 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 father or your mother's 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 or Or somebody brought the message to somebody else, to somebody else, to somebody else that brought it to you. Somewhere along the line, you were told about Jesus and you were brought into the covenant people of God because God has reached out to people of all different nations and he continues to. And we want to be a part of that. And so we don't see people who are different from us as enemies. We don't see them as others as them but rather we see them as fellow sinners standing in need of salvation fellow sinners who need the grace of God just as we did fellow people who need our Lord and Savior the picture is that of one beggar telling another beggar where he has found bread and so we must have compassion on others and as Jesus says in Matthew 9 that that if we do, we, we will pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We will pray that Jesus will do this and we will pray that he would make us a part of that. That he would use us however he sees fit, both internationally around the world and even locally as well. Right to To our neighbors that we would be used by him to take the gospel to them that we would be a part of church planting that we could be either either planting churches ourselves or be as as a parent's church or that we could partner with other churches who are doing this or we could be a patron that is that is helping to finance it through through our financial support and 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 we seek to take the gospel out knowing that that is the purpose of the church not not fighting culture wars not getting involved in political squabbles but rather focusing on the glory of god and it being proclaimed that the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light might be known by all for he has blessed us and he will bless us god shall bless us verse 7 tells us let all the ends of the earth fear him you notice that the psalm ends taking this, this wish, this desire, and making it a confident expectation. Why, why is it that the psalmist is so confident? Well, it's because he's looked at what God has done. He's looked at what God has done. Er, verse six, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God shall bless us. Commentators point out that this psalm was likely used in conjunction with, with a harvest festival. And so, What's happened is he's looked at the harvest that's been brought in and said, wow, God has blessed us. Therefore, God will bless us. He said, said, I've seen God bless us, so I can be confident he will bless us. And what's the one thing that we have that the psalmist didn't have? Right? We, we don't need to count on just on, on a harvest to see God's blessing. No, our hope is tied to something even better, even greater our hope our confidence is tied to the provision of salvation that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord we can be confident of his love and his commitment when we look to the cross and we can be confident of his sovereign power over all things when we look to the empty tomb and so because of this greatest of blessing that we have received we can be confident that he is able to bless us in all things and in all of it we should remember that he is Blessing us that we might be a blessing to others. So in light of this, in closing, I have a question for you. How concerned are you about God's glory? How concerned are you about God's glory? Are you more concerned with your comfort or with God's glory? Are you more concerned with the, the politics of America or with God's glory are you more concerned with your loved one's health or your own health or with God's glory making God's glory known throughout the world ought to be our first interest so if we want to be blessed as a church as I'm sure we do it's quite simple what we need to do we need to make it a priority to reach others for his glory. I like how John Piper put it, speaking of the nations, those who are outsiders to the people of God, to the church. He said this, if God wants his goods to get to the nations, then he will fill the truck that's driving toward the nations. He will bless the church that's pouring itself out for unreached peoples of the world. And this blessing is not a payment for service rendered, It's power and joy for a mission to accomplish. When we move toward the unreached peoples, we are not earning God's blessings. We are leaping into a river of blessings that is already flowing to the nations. So let us be praying about how God would use us. About how we can make known God's way and his saving power. Let us be praying about how he might create in our hearts a longing for the peoples of the world. Let us be praying that God would help us to make plans that he might accomplish this, and he might be enabling us to faithfully faithfully carry out those plans for his glory till all the world adores his sacred name. Let's pray. Lord, we we do pray to that end now. Give us wisdom. Help us to see how we can best be used by you. Bless us that we might be a blessing. Give us ever growing hearts that long to make your glory known, reaching out to the peoples and the nations. Reaching out to our neighbors and our friends and our families. Let us lift high the cross of Jesus Christ. For it is in his name we pray.